The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Storytelling inspires, engages, and moves people to action. It's a superpower that anyone can learn. Welcome to Story Powered with your host, Leanne Pico. Stories can hold you back, and stories can move you forward. Let our program help you activate your storytelling superpower and take your business to the next level. Now, here is Leanne Pico. Hello, and welcome to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico, your host. Thanks so much for being here and listening to the show today. I've really been looking forward to today's show. Um, I can't wait. It's one of my favorite topics. We're talking about communicating strategy with story, and I'm a, a big strategy fan and um, look forward to talking to our today's guest. Um, before I tell, we start and I tell you more about that, I'd like to thank my guest from last week. It's Karen Dietz from Just Story It. She was here, and we were chatting about building trust and a better company culture through story. Story sharing. Karen is also the best-selling author of Business Storytelling for Dummies and was great fun to chat with. So I recommend you have a listen to that episode on the on-demand library on the Story Powered page. But don't do that just yet as I have a very special guest and you'll want to hear this show for sure. It's Mark Shank from Anecdote in Australia. And today, we're, as I mentioned earlier, we're talking about communicating strategy with story. And we're also talking about anti-stories that, it can, that can affect your changes that you're trying to make in your business. So we'll be talking about that in a minute. But first, I want to share the story of the week. So I have stolen this story from the Anecdote website, and that's at www.anecdote.com. And I can highly recommend you check it out because it's stacked with loads of great story stuff. So um, this week's story is a little different. It's, it's more of a research um, piece than a story, but it's told in story form. A few years ago, Professor Adam Grant from the University of Pennsylvania conducted an intriguing experiment and showed that simply reminding people of the meaning and significance of their work can double their productivity. And he did this by simply sharing stories from those people who benefited from the call center's hard work, in this case, benefactors of a fundraising organization. So here is how Grant ran his experiment. Working in a fundraising organization call center, Grant divided his participants into three groups. People who were reminded of their personal benefits of the job, people who were reminded of the significance their tasks were having on the benefactors of their work, and a control group. The personal benefit group read stories from other employees about the benefits of the job, such as money, skills, and knowledge. The task significance group read stories from the people the organization was giving scholarships to and how these scholarships affected their lives. The control group didn't hear any stories. The results were, out, were astounding. People from the control group and the group reminded of the personal benefits looked almost the same and didn't see any significant change. However, the people who were reminded of the significance of their task was having on the benefactors more than doubled their weekly pledges from an average of 9 to an average of 23, and more than doubled their weekly pledges 
from an average of $1,288 to an average of $3,133. And the biggest gains came from employees who were previously unmotivated. So this is a really great example of um, something that I saw in the nonprofit sector when I worked there for a long time, and and I work with nonprofit organizations on now, but also with for-profits, which is – the big piece about the why, uh, the why people are doing work. And and often it doesn't matter what level of task you're participating in and it doesn't matter whether you're getting paid or volunteering, knowing how you've impacted somebody else's lives is one of the most powerful stories you can hear. Um, And it's also one of the most powerful stories that people share with other people because they're proud. So... That leads us to talk about um, strategy today, and so I'm very I'm delighted to introduce Mark Shank. He's the managing director of Anecdote, and he left the Air Force in 1998 after a 20-year career as a logistics officer. So I'm looking forward to hearing that story, jumping into consulting. Um, so his foray into the consulting world took a surprising twist when he stumbled across the incredible nature, natural power of stories. This led to a major change of career to focus on discovering how organizations and leaders can tap into this power. Anecdote was formed in 2004 with the purpose of helping restore humanity to the workplace. And I just love that because we really do need it. Um, And Mark has led over 60 leadership programs since 2006 in Australia, Asia, Europe, and the U.S. and helped some of Australia's leading companies make their strategies stick. He's a regular golfer an aspiring underwater photographer, and since 2009, he's been engaged in a quest to catch a Murray cod in Canberra's Lake Burley Griffin. Cod stocks in the lake have yet to be impacted by Mark's efforts. Mark, welcome to Story Powered. Yeah, thank you very much, Leanne. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, that's a very fishy story you're telling there in terms of your cod stocks. Do they, do they just keep getting away from you? It's a reasonably rare fish. And uh, uh, it's sort of like an kind of iconic uh, uh, fish in Australia. I know yeah. people do catch them in uh, in Lake Burley Griffin, uh, but that's not me. Uh, I spend a lot of time <laughs> trying, and uh, fortunately, I actually enjoy being out on the uh, out on the water. So uh, even though I don't catch anything, I still enjoy myself. That's good. That's good. So, Mark, I'm so glad you could be here. And I'm, I'm really, like I said before, I'm just so excited to talk to you about strategy because uh, I think it's one of the the, the pieces that, um, that we often forget that not only do we have to create it, we have to communicate it in a way that, that attracts people's attention and, and potentially loyalty. So, um, but tell us a little bit about you. What's your story? Uh, well, get asked that question, uh, you know, how do I come to be uh, uh, involved in, in business storytelling, uh, particularly by people who know that I had a 20-year career in the Air Force, so it's a, uh, that they see it as uh, you know, something going from something very practical to something quite esoteric. Um, I definitely don't see it that way, and that will become clear. But I guess there's been a couple of really major turning points uh, that have led me to be uh, where I am today. And one of them occurred way back in uh, in 1978. Um, so I was one of those kids that always knew what I was going to be. And it was very simple. I was going to be a fighter pilot. So right. you know, I spent my... Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of uh, teenagers out there who have the same aspiration. So I, I was fortunate. Uh, you know, I spent a, a year going through the... Uh, in my final year of high school, I spent a year going through the selection process uh, for... The pilot training for the Air Force and uh, got 
through all of the board interviews, the psychological testing, the aptitude testing, the academic testing, and got through all of that and was uh, selected for pilot training. And I turned up for my uh, for my you know on, on um, uh, the day I was about to uh, to head off to uh, Point Cook to start my pilot my pilot training, and I had to do a final medical, and so. Um, I still had shoulder length hair at this stage, and uh, so that was about to be shorn off. So I was in for my final medical, and the uh, the doctor was there. He had the white coat, uh, stethoscope around his neck, and he did a few basic tests. And then he put this big book down in front of me, and um, uh, he opened the book and said, "Look, on each page there's a circle of coloured dots, and within each circle there's a, a number. So just tell me what the number is." So I looked at the first page, and quite clearly could see the number twenty-five. So Number 25. I turned the page, and on the next page, I couldn't see a number. And I turned another page, another page, and I couldn't see any numbers. So I, I remember I looked up at the doctor and I said, you can't fool me. There's no numbers on these pages. And the doctor looked at me, and he walked over and put his hand on my shoulder, and he just said, oh, sorry, son, you're colorblind. And with those oh. words, like my entire... Everything that I'd planned dissolved, wow. um, and so uh, it was a big turning point. So I, you know, I just turned eighteen, so I did what any eighteen-year-old would do. I went to the beach for six weeks. Um, <laughs> you now I surfed, <laughs> I surfed, I played golf, I drank, and, and it was okay. It's legal in Australia. You can uh, drinking in the legal age for drinking is eighteen. So um, I did that. I chased girls. You know, I did all the usual stuff, and and I figured out what I was going to do with my life. And so I went back and, and sat down with my dad and I said, hey, dad, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a golfer. <laughs> and dad sort of looked at me and he said, ah, oh, yeah, well, look, remember how I was caddying for you in the club championships and you had that three-foot putt on the 18th hole and you missed it? Remember that? And I went, yeah. And he goes, how do you feel about that? And I went, okay, yes, I understand. I'm not going to be a golfer. But <laughs> he was... Uh, he was he uh, used that very effectively. But what I did do is I joined the Air Force and I spent 20 years as a logistics officer, sort of running airfields and fuel installations and that sort of thing. And when I left the Air Force in 1998, uh, and I had a, tremend- you know, a tremendous time in the Air Force, it was a wonderful career, I, I joined a consulting company and on my first day there, I met Sean Callahan, who's, who's now my business partner and the founder of Anecdote. And uh, so Sean and I immediately... Uh, formed a friendship, and we started studying uh, uh, collaboration, how do human beings work together effectively, because it was something we were really fascinated by. And it turns out that collaboration is a complex activity, which led us to study complexity and complex adaptive systems. And that was where we kept bumping into story as a, as a vehicle for which humans make sense of the world, particularly when things are complex. And from, I guess, from that genesis back in 1998, Sean and I developed this incredible fascination with stories that led to, you know, some years later, uh, uh, Sean formed Anecdote and I I joined him a month or two later. And so, uh, and I was just a new reduction. Uh, Our our purpose is to help restore humanity to the workplace and heaven knows that there's a lot of organisations that need more humanity. So, they most yeah, certainly I, do. Yeah, that's a great story. Thanks, Mark. I love it because it's it's um, from you know the the piece around um, you know from what we want to be and our story of ourselves when we're younger, 
And it just shows how different it is the journey can take. Um, So I love that. And thank you for sharing that. Now, one of the things that you and I talked about in a previous conversation when we were planning the show was you and Sean didn't like using the word story at first. Is that right? Um, Well, we didn't like storytelling. Right. Uh, simply because of the, uh, uh, you know, like we started with what we, we call story listening, which is about using um, narrative as a form of organisation inquiry. So helping find out what's really going on, helping yeah. to make sense of, this, of the world. So, um, and, and we didn't like storytelling because of the, the, the possibility that can be used for, for, for bad purposes. Right. Um, yes. But, but uh, yeah, the, the, the pull from our clients was too strong, so we very quickly. Uh, uh, I changed that view and, and, and started focusing on one, all three aspects of story work, so storytelling, story listening, and what we call story triggering. Nice, Which is really nice. about you know, your behaviour causes people to tell stories about you. Some of them are good, some of them aren't. Right, okay, that's great. And, it, you know, it's interesting because I've... Um, so yourself and I talked to Karen Dietz last week and then I've also talked with Annette Simmons and lots of folks in the story world. We're all kind of not that comfortable with the word storytelling. So I think maybe we need to get together and, and come up with <laughs> a different term maybe. Because like you say, storytelling is one aspect, but it's not the whole thing. Yeah. So just uh, I guess another uh, thing about we have to encourage people, particularly when we're working uh, with leaders, running our Storytelling for Leaders program, Right. So yeah, uh, how what would they picture. use? Because and tell us why why that is. Well, if you uh, if you think about uh, your childhood, how did stories begin? It's always once upon a time, right? Correct. And is once upon a time going to be a true story? Or is it going to be fiction? Well, of course, it's going to be fiction because it's always happily ever yeah. after. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I guess one of the things is that if you stand up and as a leader and say, folks, I want to tell you a story, you potentially trigger this this uh, coding, uh, this association of story with fiction. And right. as a leader, yes. that's the last thing you want people to be thinking. You do okay. not want somebody to be thinking, wow, is this, uh, is this going to be true or is this going to be made up? So right. um, there's a million ways that you can introduce a story without ever saying, let me tell you a story. And in fact, the worst thing you can do is to say, let me tell you a good story. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, it, or it, even it, let it, me tell uh, you a true leader. story, maybe. Oh, I'm sorry, Leanne. Oh, sorry. We've got a little delay there. Um, the, other, the other thing that's um, not good to say is, let me tell you a true story. Oh, well, that's exactly. Right? <laughs> and, um, Implying everything else I'm going to tell you is not true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we do everything we can to avoid setting up um, uh, a contradiction or sorry, like a comparison or a story on the one hand, truth on the other. So right. uh, stories, from our view, uh, stories are true stories, and we don't encourage the, the, the leaders to, to use fiction in any way, shape, or form. No. Um, so we don't, we don't try not to set up that, that dichotomy. Absolutely. And that makes a lot of sense. Now, so in terms of um, your work with companies, tell us a little bit about uh, the, like, you know, and we'll talk in the second segment about um, uh, communicating with strategy, but what kind of, like, what kind of work do you do? What, what, what does your work involve when you go into a company? What do you help them do? 
Well, there's a number of things. Uh, you know, we, we, we help improve leaders' ability to communicate, their ability to influence, to, to engage, to inspire. Uh, in fact, it's really not much simpler than that. We help them be understood. Uh, we help them be remembered. And uh, we help, help them use stories to have impact so to cut through uh, that, that huge amount of information overload that people are experiencing. So how, does you, how do you get your message heard? So right. that's one aspect. And the other aspect is uh, we work with organisations to convert their strategies into what we call strategic stories and then work with leaders to help them uh, tell their version of the story uh, and, and how to embed that in the organisation. Nice. Oh, cool. That sounds so easy. <laughs> and you bring humanity to our workplaces. So I, I and that's, you know, it's funny because uh, even though we're laughing about it, it is, um, it's the thing that's needed most, right? And I, I hear um, executives all the time and they're, they're struggling and, and we have these really significant um, employee engagement or disengagement rates. So, um, so how, so, you, you know, you, that's a great process that, but how, how do you think stories bring humanity? Uh, simply that, um, if we think what's the, but we can't, excuse me, if we contrast story with the normal organizational communication, uh, which tends to be very, uh, non-specific, uh, very abstract, uh, very difficult for people to picture. Uh, it's, it, you get the uh, uh, um, people become objects rather than subjects. Stories return them to being subjects. Uh, and just a, a, heard a, a lovely uh, uh, example recently. Um, a, a leader stood up in front of a heavily unionised workforce, and there was a, uh, a lot of anger in the room. And she stood up to explain. A particular issue, and he just he simply started by asking people, "You can ask me any questions. The only requirement I have is that you must address me by name. So you have to ask me a question saying, "Excuse me, Gary." So you have to use my name, Gary. And he started talking, and someone in the back goes, "You know, he started you know being quite aggressive. How dare you do this? You never listen to us, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. And, and Gary said, "No, no, no, please stop." Now, could you start that again, just starting by saying, uh, Gary, I have a question. And the, the, the gentleman who was being quite uh, aggressive said, oh, excuse me, Gary. And he, he <laughs> asked this question in a very calm, collective way. It, he'd moved, by using his name, Gary had moved from being an object, yeah, which we can pretty much justify any behaviour towards, to, to a real person. Nice. And that's what, you know, that, that tiny little example is what, you know, needs to happen um, uh, a thousandfold in our organisations. I love that example because it's actually, you know, when you're a worker, you just see um, the other, you know, the us and them, the management. You're the management, and and it does depersonalize. Yeah. And similar to, you know, and especially in a unionized environment, often it's it's kind of yeah, yeah. they. So I love that example. That's a really great example. So Mark, we're going to go on a on a break. Um, and then when we're going to come back, we're going to talk a little bit about, so we've talked about why storytelling is, um, or why story helps us become more human and become the subject. And we're going to talk a little bit more about strategy when we come back. 
So, um, so everybody stick with us because uh, the, the, there's lots still to come. I'm Leanne Pico, and you're listening to Story Powered on the Voice America Business Channel. If you'd like to receive my monthly story blast, please go to my website at www.verygoodstories.com. I'd love to connect with you and find out more about Mark and Anecdote and the wonderful work they're doing. Go to their website at www.anecdote.com. So stay tuned to find out more about communicating with strategy. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at VeryGoodStories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Welcome back. It's Story Powered, and I'm Leanne Pico, your host, and I'm chatting with Mark Shank of Anecdote in Australia. Before the break, we had a, a great conversation. Mark was telling us his story about um, how he ended up being a, a story strategist or consultant and um, just reminded me of, of the, the journey that we all take and, and the richness of the, the number of stories and the richness of the stories that we have in our lives. And um, so it's funny whenever I work with leaders and they say, I don't have any stories to tell. And it, it's just impossible because we have so many rites of passage and so many different things that we've experienced. So um, so now we're going to really get into um, talking about strategy and, you know, in introducing a new strategy or communicating a new way of doing business is one of the most important and most challenging things a business can do. So, so Mark, tell us why story and storytelling is such an important tool for communicating strategy, please. Yeah, fantastic. And I, I, look, I guess it, it it starts with understanding some of the, the challenges that, uh, that we currently face regarding strategy or that many organisations face regarding strategy. Um, so uh, Kaplan and Norton, sort of household names, they, uh, they developed the balanced scorecard 
as part of their development of the balanced scorecard, they looked at organisations and strategy, and their summary was that 95% of people in organisations don't know the strategy. So wow, that was in the late serious. 1990s. It's, it's a scary, scary figure. Wow. Um, there, was, there was some research published in late 2011, um, and it was uh, 450 companies, uh, so uh, it was a global study, and its summary was that 80% of people in organisations don't know the strategy. And I guess... It, so we're getting worse. Which, well, no, get better. We got better. So it went from 95% don't know it to 80% don't know it. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit bad. But whichever research you, uh, you, you subscribe to, the point is that it's, it's a horrendous indictment of our ability to communicate strategy. It's really hard for people to behave strategically if they don't know what the strategy is. Right. And, I mean, since the 70s, people have talked about how organisations that achieve this thing called strategic alignment are much more effective than those that don't. And strategic alignment is simply that the behaviour of everyone in the organisation is aligned to the strategy. Um, and so it's very hard for organisations to achieve that if this is the case. So so that's what the research says. And uh, uh, if we sort of now start to think about some of the reasons why, why um, strategy isn't communicated or what isn't understood widely. Um, I guess the first one is that we tend to communicate strategy in extremely ambiguous terms. So, you know, we're going to strategically align the organisation to take advantage of emerging market opportunities by becoming far more customer-centric. So, you know, I can go on. Not just very <laughs> That's in, so in, awful and so true. Impressive-sounding words that are highly ambiguous, and we know that when human beings are presented with something that's ambiguous, we, we tell ourselves a story to explain it. And the difficulty with ambiguity, uh, when you communicate strategy ambiguity, is that there's many, many, many different, uh, many different possible interpretations of what you mean. So instead of achieving strategic alignment, we communicate strategy quite ambiguously. And what we do is we cause people to spew up in completely different directions based on their interpretation of the strategy. So it's the opposite of strategic wow. alignment. Wow. So that's and first, and also just, it, I was just thinking just that's amazing because um, so not only are they, so not only are you not achieving your goal of communicating the strategy, you're actively creating the the creation of, of so many stories that no one is clear. Uh, that's exactly right. So you sort of get the reverse effect. Right. Um, so, so ambiguity is like the first reason the strategy isn't communicated particularly well. The second reason that it's not communicated particularly well is because we tend to focus on, on the what. So a lot of strategies that I see, they're not actually strategies, they're strategic plans. They're lists of things that the organisation needs to do. It's the what. And there's a yes. little bit of how. And if you, uh, uh, if you have... Have you listened to uh, Simon Sinek's uh, TEDx talk on, uh, uh, on the importance of why? Yes, absolutely. Uh, so essentially human beings crave why. And unless we know why it's very hard for us to make sense of the details. And there's been some fabulous experiments done over the years that, uh, that, that show that if people have the, if they understand the why, so why are we doing what we're doing, if they understand that first, 
then their comprehension of it and their retention of it is dramatically increased. So we have to lead with why, and often with strategy, we don't. We lead with what. Well, and uh, actually, you know, I'm I'm totally a why person, and and whenever I've led organizations or work with people, I'm, that's the first thing to do in my mind. However, we're looking at a, a, a culture in corporations of the what, which is you know, do as you're told, and not all companies. I don't want to uh, generalize too much, but for a very long time, we've been factory mode, and um, you know, do this is your task. You do this. If you do it well, you will be rewarded. So I'm just wondering how, you know, in terms of, um, you know, when you're going into companies that have that kind of culture or have had a history of that culture, how do you work with them to understand that the why is so crucial? Well, uh, it's really quite simple. There's, there's some, some very simple demonstrations. Excuse me. There's very simple ways uh, to demonstrate the how, why, is very important, and that you need it. We have the, the concept that you have to give people the gist, the big picture, before the details, and so that the gist is the why. Um, there was a, uh, uh, an experiment uh, published in 1972 that has a very simple uh, uh, example of this. Uh, people are asked to read a, a, a process description, and it starts off, um, the procedure is actually uh, quite simple. Uh, first, you gather things into uh, into piles, and then uh, you, uh, you you sort them. Uh, uh, you, uh, it's important to note at this point that uh, uh, it's better to do fewer things than too many things, and it goes on like this for a, for a, a paragraph. Now, you uh, ask people to read the paragraph, and uh, uh, and then ask them what is the paragraph describing, and what is the process. And the vast majority of people don't get it. But it is a meaningless bunch of words. Right. It's actually, the, the, uh, the paragraph is describing the process of doing the laundry. And so uh, <laughs> the, the research that was done in 1972, what it showed is that if you tell someone in, in advance that it is about doing the laundry, then they actually think it makes a lot of sense. And they are so so. There's good comprehension, and there's high degree of recall. Okay. Of that paragraph, if they know in advance that it's about doing the laundry, so they can uh, attach it to an overall rationale. I'm sorry, Ben. Could you say that again? Sorry. So they can attach it to. So basically, um, I'm just thinking that that process they they're able to attach it to an overall rationale. Then, right? Like it's um, without the overall. They're 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 grasping at, at at trying to connect it to something in their brains that it's not connecting to. Uh, absolutely, by telling them in advance that it's about the laundry, you've given them a framework, you've given them a context within which all the details can then be uh, assembled and make sense. So, um, the people who there was a, a second group of people who were told afterwards that it was about doing the laundry, and there was a third group that weren't told that it was about the laundry at all. Um, the interesting uh, part of the research is that the people who were told that it was about doing the laundry after they read the paragraph had very little comprehension and recall, almost the same as the people who were never told that it was about the laundry. So that's the, 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 what, that demonst- what that research demonstrates is that we need to give people the why up front. We need to explain the big picture and only then go to the details. But what happens okay. in business is we tend to, we're, we're busy. You know, we want to get 
want to get to the point. So we rush to the details without getting people the big picture. And then we why the audience is sitting there going, wow, that was an hour of my, my life I'll never get back. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, okay, so so I'm going to be a leader and I'm going to talk about the why and I'm going to tell everybody that the why is because we didn't make enough money last year and we need to make more money this year. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's not particularly inspiring why, <laughs> um, but, <laughs> uh, but uh, because it, it's, it's really not about um, what's the purpose of the, of the business. So the money yeah. bit, that's an outcome. So uh, part of the you need to go back to what's the purpose of the business. Why do we do what we do? And, uh, for example, uh, last week I was, uh, I was in a beautiful resort in the southern Philippines and uh, uh, was working with a, a leadership team uh, trying to uh, convert their strategy into a strategic story. And, in fact, it's probably a useful uh, uh, analogy that we can use for this topic about strategy. I got to sit in for the first two hours uh, of, the, uh, of the meeting on Thursday morning where they talked about what they'd agreed the day before. And it's a classic example of uh, talking in highly ambiguous terms. I sat there for two hours. I heard lots of people having very strong opinions about different things, but I had no idea and I'm serious, I'm, I'm going, wow, <laughs> yeah. I've got no idea what their strategy is or even what they're debating. Right. Because they're probably they're wordsmithing. Because they're wordsmithing Sorry, rather yeah. than uh, the why, right? Because at, at some point when you're talking about stuff like that, you, you end up, you're concentrating too much on the words. Absolutely. And not on the, on the meaning. So um, uh, we went through the process of... Uh, uh, we had a, a narrative structure, which I, I, I explained to you and which I'll uh, share with the uh, with your, your listeners uh, in, the, in the third segment, uh, that just forces you. It's a, it's a simple narrative structure. It just forces you to, to, to provide the context first. Um, and so we went through that process. And so a day later, uh, when we're, uh, again, having a plenary discussion about the strategy, it was remarkable how there was there was... A, a huge amount of alignment about what was the strategy and what were they trying to achieve, but the, the discussion was much more concrete. Um, so people were able to talk specifics, uh, share specific examples, and the, the, the quality of the conversation was dramatically improved and the, the extent to which the people in the room had a shared understanding of what, of what their strategy was. Uh, oh, nice, and, and that makes yeah, a big simply, difference. Simply by by forcing them to, to put their strategy into this narrative structure. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Because if they can't create a, a co-create a, a shared story, then they can't communicate it. Um, so, yeah. it Mark, so that's brilliant. And I, I love that example because it's, it's uh, we again, we spend all this time, and, and I've been guilty of it too, just trying to come up with the right word, the exact right word. Because if I come up with that word, it'll it'll make all the difference. And and like you say, it often there's a disconnect. And so um, in that disconnect, when we're communicating strategy and, and say there's 80 or 95% of the people in the room that are creating their own stories, um, I, I'd love you to talk about something that you're uniquely talk about, which is anti-stories. So potentially people in that moment are creating anti-stories or um or at least there are some. So um, what, tell us about anti-stories and, and how powerful they are. 
Uh, certainly, look, it's uh, essentially for every official story, there's going to be unofficial stories. Some of those unofficial stories are, can, can, can be huge barriers to the change behaviour that, you, that you're after, uh, that you want people to adopt in order to bring the strategy to life. Um, the, the, the first time that, we re- that this really became clear to us was in 2009 when we were working with a government department that had been merged. So three departments had become one department. And now, and, and it's a, it's a, the, the, the uh, merged department was a huge organisation, probably uh, 20,000 people. And uh, there was lots of uh, integration required. And so one of the key focuses of their strategy was integration. You know, why do it three different ways when we can do it one way? Um, and that all sounds perfectly logical from the point of view of the leadership team. But I was in the, in the, in the lift leaving the building, and uh, uh, there's a guy that I knew. We were having a chat, and I was you know, explaining what we did. Um, I've been working with the leadership team to you know, create a strategic story, key uh, key focus area was integration, etc. And he just looked at me with a puzzled look, and he said, Mark, we're not going to integrate anything. We're just waiting for the next divorce. Um, so I sat down and had a cup of coffee with him, and uh, and he told me the divorce story. And essentially, in 1992, so nearly 20 years before, uh, those same three departments had been merged, and then and it didn't work. And five years later, uh, the government uh, split the departments again into separate departments, and it was called the Great Divorce. <laughs> now. So, a, a picture the leaders standing in front of their people saying, folks, let's talk about integration. We need to integrate you know, the three systems into one and all our processes. And, and people are just going, yeah, right. We're just waiting for the next divorce. It's a huge area to the change behavior that would lead to, uh, to integration. So, uh, I guess one of the first things is you need to identify, you need to surface these anti stories, and you have to treat it like a story. And, you, and one of the things is that you can't just assert that the story is wrong, right? So um, right. you can't just say there will be no more divorce because the, you know, the, there's heaps of uh, psychological research that demonstrates that if you just push a different opinion at somebody, it'll cause them to reinforce what they already believe. So the more you assert that there'll be no future divorce, the more people believe that there will. Does that make sense? It does. It does. So, you know, and we've got about um, 30 seconds left till break, but I, I, it makes a, a lot of sense. And, and so it, it, what it sounds like is, is then you're getting into a situation where who's, who's telling their story loudest and um, <laughs> that's not useful either, either, right? So it's, it's kind of, we've lost the, the power of story altogether when, when we're just battling it out and, and reinforcing current stories. So, um, so that's great. And we, you know, um, we can talk a little bit more about that when we come back. And um, thank you, Mark, for, for sharing about the anti-stories, because I think that's where a lot of organizations get stuck. So it's commercial break time again. And you're listening to Story Powered with me, Leanne Pico, and my guest, Mark Shank. Um, and just a reminder, um, please do go and check Check out Mark and Sean's work at Anecdote on their website at www.anecdote.com. Lots of great story stuff there. There's resources, great stories, and and all sorts of things there. So um, I look forward to talking to Mark a little bit more, and we're going to get into the how in the third section when we come back. So stay tuned.
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Activate and grow your storytelling superpower with Leanne Pico of Very Good Stories. Stories inspire, stories engage, and stories move people to action. It's pretty powerful stuff. Story coach Leanne Pico will help you develop your storytelling skills to be a more effective leader, build a more powerful brand, or create a team of storytelling powerhouses. You can email Leanne at leanne at verygoodstories.com or check out her website at verygoodstories.com. Contact Leanne today to grow your storytelling superpower. If you are in sales, do you repeatedly face the same challenges over and over? Slumping sales, job security worries, trying to get your brand off the ground. It's time to come over to a new way of thinking. It's time for Stand Up, Stand Out, or Stand Down with Malcolm Evans, the Sales Accent Guy. You'll hear what works today to keep you at the top of your sales game and increase your business directly from some of the most respected voices of the sales world. Tune in Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Story Powered with Leanne Pico. If you want to find out more about Leanne or the program, connect with us on the web at verygoodstories.com. Now, back to Story Powered. Welcome back to Story Powered. I'm Leanne Pico, and I'm talking with Mark Shank about communicating strategy with story. Before the break, we were talking about something that I absolutely find fascinating as, as somebody who... Um, I used to do change management work and go into organizations and uh, my job was to build a new story. But um, what was always there and historically there were were something that um, Mark has, and I didn't know they were called this or that we could think of it this way, but anti-stories. And and so um, I just wanted to kind of revisit that because it's such a substantial part of communicating a new strategy. If you don't know what the stories are that could be working against you, um, the the potential for success is, is diminished. So, so Mark, just share a little bit more about the anti stories and how we were just talking about um, you know whoever shouts the loudest <laughs> in, in terms of story that's not going to work either. And and people using their power, kind of I say that that story is is not true is doesn't work either. So what works in in um, to deal with anti stories? Well, I guess the. Uh, uh uh, Annette Simmons wrote a, uh, um, a book uh, about 10 years ago called Whoever Tells the Best Story Wins, and that's a case with anti-stories. You, you can't fight a story with a fact. You can only fight it with a better story. And so part of the challenge is to understand, firstly, what these, those anti-stories are, and secondly, to come up with a different story. And uh, there's various strategies for tackling anti-stories, and uh, one of my favourite uh, examples of it uh, is, the, is the, the, I call it the mea culpa strategy. You just go, yeah, we didn't get that right. And uh, yes. and if your listeners uh, are interested, they should watch the first five minutes of Steve Jobs' keynote speech where he introduces iCloud at the Worldwide Developers Conference, um, where he uses the structure I'm about to share with you, but he also tackles uh, one of the, a huge anti-story, which 
which is around mobile need. And he just he tackles it beautifully by just saying, well, I'm talking about iCloud, but why would you believe us? We're the people that bought you mobile me. Right? And the audience <laughs> erupted in laughter. Uh, he said, <laughs> it wasn't our finest hour, but we learned a lot. Yeah. And with, and with just those few simple words, he dismisses, uh, he takes the heat out of this uh, huge potential anti-story. So the mere culture strategy is just uh, firstly knowing that it's that that, that that story is a problem, uh, it's a barrier to your strategy, and then just admitting it. Just going, yes, we did that. Now, for example, um, if you're talking about uh, business growth and there's been three rounds of redundancies, um, you, you just you can tackle that just by saying, um, I know that many of you are really worried about future redundancies uh, because after the GFC, you know, revenues dramatically shrank and, and we had... Uh, the, the three rounds of redundancies, and we did not handle them well, and morale took a big hit. And many people left, not just because of redundancies, but because they didn't like the way we handled it. So uh, we've learned a lot from that, and we're not going to make that, that mistake again. But, nice. Um, as I say, it's called the mere culture strategy. Just go, yes, we did that. Um, yeah. I've worked with many organisations. Uh, in fact, I was working for the redundancy story. Uh, uh, was uh, I was working with a professional services firm, one of the very large professional services firms, and the management, the leadership team, had decided we're not going to talk about the redundancies anymore. And you might have heard organisations, <laughs> say, you know, leadership teams say things like that. Yes. Well, <laughs> if the leadership team says, you know, we don't want to, people to be talking about redundancies, guess what they talk about? Absolutely. And everywhere, yeah. wherever they can, Absolutely. whenever they can, right? Yeah, and it's like pouring fire, uh, pouring petrol on a fire by just it is. taking that approach. Um, I completely agree. So, so now, in terms of so, in terms of that, so why don't if we look at um, and I and I totally agree that this is this is the thing about again as a leadership. It's important not to close it down um, and to, like you say, recognize it and, and kind of that builds trust anyway. But in terms of then creating the story that is the best story to overcome. How, what's your how? Like you talked earlier about a narrative structure. So, so what's the how? Well, so, yeah, very simply, the how, uh, the first thing is that you can't write the story for an organization. Um, so, so we don't go in and say, uh, yes, let us write your story. What we do, it's, it's a co-creation. So there has to be, the leadership team have, have to be completely invested in the story. Um, so, you know, it's not like somebody comes in and says, oh, we're going to develop your strategy. This requires a, a, a very strong uh, investment from the leadership team. So um, so that's the first point, is that you can't do it to an organisation. And the second uh, 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 how is that you use a very, very simple narrative structure. And uh, so I've mentioned there's four parts to it. And the first part is in the past. So in the past... We were like this. We had strengths, we had weaknesses, we had good points, we had bad points. And you'll notice there that the emphasis here is that you can't just talk about the good things that have happened. It can't be the Pollyanna story. Right, you know, everything's yeah. lovely and fine and the world is all good. You have to do the, you know, have to be um, an honest appreciation of strengths and weaknesses. So that's yeah. the first panel, in the past. The second part of the story uh, we call it the turning points. So in the past is the first panel. 
actually one of the key, key things that explains the why. So turning points can be things like we realised that revenue uh, uh, was uh, not covering our costs. There was a GFC. Um, a new piece of technology came along. We got some research that showed that our customers are leaving us. Uh, you know, so there's, there's things that have happened that, exp- uh, that uh, explain a challenge that you have. So the first panel is in the past. The second panel is then something happened or turning points. The third panel is actually a strategy. Right? So by now, what you've done is you've explained the why. So in the past and then something happened to explain the why. The third panel of uh, the structure is, so this is what we're going to do. To tackle our challenge, we're going to focus on these four things. And then the final part of the, of, the, uh, of the structure is, if we do it really well, this is what we're going to be like in the future. So it's a very simple uh, structure. Uh, and if you follow that structure, uh, as I say, it forces you to put things in context. And so people understand the why before you get to the what. But that narrative structure in itself is not enough because in the course of doing uh, telling that story, you need to give specific examples that illustrate uh, the main points that you want to uh, get across. So it's important that we don't uh, fall into the trap of become, becoming uh, ambiguous. So Absolutely. maybe use some examples, some moments that illustrate the, uh, the key points of view of your narrative structure. That's excellent. That's uh, and that's really simple. That's really straightforward. And so, you know, and again, we talked a little bit about this when we had our previous chat, which is we we just so often get caught on the third panel, which is the what, right? Like that's and that's that's the thing that that we start with, end with, and and think, well, my instructions have been heard. Um, and again, we may not even like leaders may not even come with that kind of mentality, but that's how it comes across. So I love the idea. And again, you know, it's funny because again, in, in nonprofit land where I worked for a long time, this is exactly, we talk about outcomes and we talk about impact and it's, it's similar stuff where, you know, you've helped somebody and, you know, or somebody has a situation and, and your service has helped them in some way to change their lives. And then they've changed their lives. And then this is how it was made better. And it, it's really a, um, like you say, a very simple structure, but it's very powerful. It's a very powerful uh, way to tell your story, I think. And one of the, the, the key things about it is it's, uh, is it's simplicity. We, we don't... Uh, try and focus leaders on things like the dramatic arc or plot structures, no. that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they are working, we are working with business people. It needs to be practical, simple, and uh, you don't want to scare people. <laughs> you know, if you ask people to construct a story and you give them, you know, like the, the dramatic arc as a structure, etc., it's pretty scary. Yeah. Uh, they immediately fall into this trap of going, oh, I need to, oh, I need to get this right. Whereas, yes. in fact, what they need to do is to just have a go. And so yeah. uh, by using that very simple structure, it's easy for them to, 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 have, a, uh, to have a go. In fact, uh, one of the, the things that we encourage people, there's a, uh, a writer called uh, Anne Lamott who wrote a book, Bird by Bird. And in that, uh, in that book, she talks about how writers uh, write books and uh, she says, uh, no book ever gets written without a fabulous third draft. No fabulous third draft ever happens without a good second draft. And <laughs> there's no good second draft ever gets done 
And these are her words, not mine. You can't get a good second draft without a shitty first draft. Yeah, that's and right. So, it's true. <laughs> and so you've got to get people to really quickly where they're comfortable just having a go. Yeah, I always tell and my then, clients that it, it's, they, it's not going to be perfect. You just need to know your key points and connect. And, and often, you know, and that's the thing, though, is that when you're telling a story like that, and again, when you start with the a bit of mea culpa or, or you start with your why of this is what happened before and you're, you're, you're accounting for things that have happened, you immediately build some, um, even if it's hard to build trust, you build some connection with the audience where they're willing to, I mean, they're not paying attention to, the exact words you use. They're paying attention to how you're, you're actually um, communicating with them. And, and often they're appreciative of that because you've, you've, you know, you've created that connection. So it, it, I love that point that it's, it's not, um, you know, cause you see a lot of complexity around storytelling and, and frankly, people just go back to sitting in English ca- class and, and feel terrified. Um, and, and, you know, there are a lot of business leaders who are much more comfortable with finance or, with um, other skill sets than potentially writing or, um, and so, yeah, I think the easiest way for us to talk us out of using story in business is to overcomplicate it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and you're quite right. Uh, it's, it's not the words. It's, it's, it's what people feel um, and what the emotions that generated, uh, what are the specific things that, that they can recall from what you say. Um, and it's not about the words. It's more about, the emotions and the images that are created. So that's where you need to, to emphasize, put the emphasis with, uh, with this uh, when you're creating a strategic story. Yeah, nice, nice. That's it. And so, um, so we've got about three minutes left. We've, uh, we're almost at the end of the show already. Um, if you had a, a, couple, like a, a main point that you wanted to share with people, and you've, you've shared lots of really great info, so you may have already said it, or it might be hard to, to just nail it down to one thing. But if somebody is in a business that's struggling to communicate and it's needing to change and it, and it, you know, the leaders want to change, but they're having trouble getting to a place where, where they can um, enable their staff to participate in that. What would your one piece of advice be? Where can they start? Well, that's a, uh, that's a, a big question, but uh, look, I guess a, a, a metaphor that's really useful is, is a metaphor that's been used a number of times uh, about the elephant and the rider. So um, where the elephant represents our emotions, and the writer represents our logic. Most of the, the time in business, we make the mistake of trying to influence the writer. But the, the, the psychological research, particularly in the last 20 years, clearly shows that the writer isn't in charge. It's actually the elephant that's in charge. So the, the key point would be we need to spend a lot, lot more time talking to the elephant and less time talking to the writer. So the writer is interested in facts and data and, and, and words. The elephant is interested in feelings, emotions, intuition. And so the key, one of the key things that we can do to be more effective communicators is, is spend more time talking to the elephant and get the elephant. In. I guess the, you need to avoid creating a situation where you stampede the elephant in the wrong direction. You want to be getting the elephant leaning towards you so that the, uh, the, uh, the elephant is open to new ideas, new ways of behaving, and story is a fantastic vehicle for talking to the elephant. Nice. I love it. 
So everybody, you need to talk to the elephant. I love it. I love it. So we, that's really great advice, and I'm, I'll never forget that now because because uh, I have the I have the image of the stampede and people running and crashing off in uh, corporate <laughs> in corporate boardrooms all over the place. <laughs> so that's a fantastic analogy, and thank you so much, Mark. I, I think it's you know in terms of that narrative structure. Um, you know, for people to use that in, in their businesses. And, and I think that, you know, another one of the biggest messages is, is, yes, talk to the elephant, but also with the why is, is enabling people to understand um, why the changes are occurring or why strategic directions are happening. So thank you so much, Mark, for, for taking the time to chat with me today. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Leanne. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. So thanks again to Mark Schenk from Anecdote. Anecdote does amazing work helping leaders and companies to share their strategic vision through story. And I love their commitment to bringing more humanity to the workplace. It's, it's a really um, important piece, uh, and, and that's where story has a special spot, in, in my opinion. Um, so check out Anecdote and find out more about their services at www.anecdote.com. They are based in Australia, but they have um, stores, their Storytelling for Leaders program. They run that in various places around the world. And please tune in to next week's show when I talk to David Long, who is author of the book Built to Lead. David's book is absolutely full of stories. It's it's how he's written his book, actually. And he's the founder and CEO of My Employees, a firm dedicated to employee engagement and recognition. So I'm looking forward to talking to David next week. Story Powered is on every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. If you want to find out more about me and my business, you can check me out at www.verygoodstories. Thank you for joining me, Liam Pico and Story Powered. I'll see you next week with more story. Thank you for joining us this week for Story Powered. Leanne Pico invites you to tune in for another engaging program next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll help take your story and your business to the next level.